A Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 243. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. If you listen to Restaurant Unstoppable, you've heard our guest mentor say you need a solid business plan. That can be intimidating. Maybe you don't know the first thing about creating a business plan. Remember, plan your work, work your plan, and do it with live plan. To learn more and to get started with your first month free, yes, I said free, that's a $20 savings exclusive to Restaurant Unstoppable listeners. Visit liveplan.com slash unstoppable, that is liveplan.com forward slash unstoppable, get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Brandon Krastowski, Brandon Tell me you're feeling unstoppable today. I'm feeling very unstoppable. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Brandon Hales from Detroit, Michigan, and it was in Detroit where he found his mentor and started living intentionally. On the newfound path, he eventually found himself studying at the Culinary Institute of America. After graduating, uh, he started working in some of the best kitchens in the world, uh, including Lucas Cartel. Uh, you know what? How about you just name some of these restaurants? Because I'm going to mess it up, bro. You, you-, you got it. It's called Luca, Luca Carton. If you are, if in English you say Lucas Carton, it's how it would look. I knew I was saying um, it, <laughs> You got it. You got a couple other, including La Bernadine and maybe some of the other places you've worked real quick. Yeah, not with Bernadette. I mean, staged there, but not, not truly worked. Uh, a restaurant tour called Chateau Belmont uh, in, in New York with Cirque, Chanterelle, Picheline, and um, under the great Charlie Trotter. Awesome, beautiful. Thank you for saying those uh, restaurants for me. It's one of the things I just cannot do. <laughs> he, uh, he serves as uh, founder of Edwin, which I can say, no problem, the first ever French-inspired restaurant, which also serves as a culinary institute for recently released state prisoners. Uh, he's been featured in newspapers and magazines all over the country and is uh, and in 2015 was awarded the title of CNN hero for his work. And uh, this is just a scraping the surface of what you've done and what you've accomplished and who you are uh, does not do justice whatsoever. But we'll dive in deeper about who you are and the work you're doing and how you're helping people as the interview unrolls. Uh, but before we do that, let's get the uh, motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you have for us today, Brandon? Make it happen. Make it happen. Like so short, so sweet. What does that mean to you? It means make it happen. <laughs> you know, no matter no matter what the problem, challenge, uh, you, you make it happen. It's in something that Chef Trotter taught to me, and I'll, I'll never forget. Yeah, and just listening to that short and sweet message, I think so many times we we hit so many roadblocks in this industry in particular. And sometimes people just shut their brain off and say, well, we tried, and they throw in the towel. But when you open up your mind and you ask yourself, how can I make this happen? What can I do? Your mind, get, that creativity kicks in, and it's it's incredible what you can do if you just make it happen and get creative. And that's what that says to me. Would you agree with that? 
It is. I mean, it is. And it's as simple as that. You just you, you know, you make it work. Absolutely. So yeah. uh, let's take the listeners on your journey. And let's start off as you as a child. Um, you probably got into some trouble. I'll let you tell the story and you can kind of tell us where you were at that point in your life and kind of start from there and tell us how you got to where you are now. Absolutely. Uh, you know, what, what started this whole, you know, revolution mission, uh, you know, the civil rights movement was the fact I was arrested and, and, uh, facing 10 years in prison and, you know, having, having that you know, kind of, uh, forecast was, was, was grim gloom. And, uh, the, the judge gave me a year's probation instead. And, uh, while I was on that, that year's probation, I, I meet a chef in downtown Detroit who mentors me, you know, teaches me that it's not practice that makes perfect, but perfect practice makes perfect. A uh, valuable lesson that, that put me on a different level. So when I went away to school, I was leading, not just, not just struggling to, to catch up. I was, I was refining. So, um, you know, having, having landed the Culinary Institute of America, I felt very comfortable in my position and said, you know, the sky's the limit. So it's, uh, you know, kind of a history of, 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 you know, no direction, endless energy, and then finding a mentor to, to show, you know, show me the right way to do something. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I'm curious, um, when you got the second chance uh, and you found this mentor, let's pre- just for, you know, let's just say you didn't find that mentor. Where would you be today? How would your life been different if you didn't get that direction? I don't know. I mean, I don't know where I, where I'd be. You know, I know where most of my friends are, and, and you know, that, if that serves as some some sort of path, that's that's not a good place. You know, you're either dead or in prison. So just just fortunate to have this 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 man, this you know, this chef, this individual in, in life to you know just show me the right way. And then you know, also there's hard work behind it too. So I'm not sure where that path would be. It wouldn't be. I'm sure it would not be where it is right now. Yeah, absolutely. And um, talk about some of the decisions you made and how this. Uh, this mentor steered you in the direction you took and uh do you think that their advice i mean i'll let you take it but you know what i'm saying like just steer us in a direction to where you ended up and the things you started doing because of this initial mentoring opportunity yeah i mean well first was there's gonna be layers to all these questions eric i mean the the first thing in the moment i said you know i found an outlet for this energy and I i found something that i was good at and then I, I found something that, you know, someone was able to, um, you know, someone who was able to teach me and someone who I could respect to, that, that, that could teach. Uh, you know, what, what did that spin off to? It, it spun off to a lot of things. One, um, you know, the, the feeling of success, the feeling of winning. It feels good to win. Uh, so, you know, moving up in the, in the, in the ranks in the kitchen, uh, you know, it's always, it's always fun to know that you can handle responsibility and people depend on you was, was you know, another huge, uh, you know, factor in, in, in growing and feeling, and feeling confident as, as who I was as a chef. Um, you know, I think that I also recognize that looking back is, is, you know, the, the, you know, the power that race plays. I mean, I was white in, in, a, in a black city and it didn't, and it doesn't sit well that there, there's this inequality, um, you know, for you know, for those who want an opportunity that have just as much skill or as hard work and desire, and sometimes they're not getting it just because of you know race, that still persists today. So I mean, there's a lot that comes out of uh, you know you know being taught in, in lessons that that someone gives you to to go on the right path. But most importantly, it was the fact that I could I could do this. I'm good at something, and and that builds confidence. And then that winning feel is, is addictive, so you don't want to stop winning and growing. So you just keep you know you keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Now when. I mean, you did go to court. You were almost sent to jail. Did that stick with you? Was that on your record? Did that affect your ability to get into school or to get the next job and to get this experience you got? Well, 
Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I was thrown in jail. It was just I avoided prison. So you know, the, the memory of it still still lasts with me. You know, being being processed like you know, choice of select meat. You know, being transferred from you know cell to cell, jail to jail, and just just kind of being processed. Like I said, uh, that that memory always always sticks with me and burns. Um, not a good feeling, uh, but the actual you know the fact that it's on a record that that you have was uh, was a big issue, and and you know I made sure that you know, over the last decade or so, made sure I had that expunged. Because it's important to, for me, I knew that what I had to do was big and that something like this would prohibit me from maybe getting a liquor license or maybe growing. And if I can't grow, it means I can't help others. So um, it's important that that gets addressed. Now, how important is it, uh, your ability to sympathize with this uh, demographic of people who have made their mistakes? And let's be honest, how many of us can look in the mirror and say that we led a perfect life i mean i know that i could have done some i mean i got away with some stuff when i was younger just some stupid shit i could easily be in jail and think about how many people are in that same situation right like and then they get out of jail they do their time they learn their lessons and they get this stamp on their forehead when they try to get work and nobody will give them a second chance and what do you think is going to happen they can't get work they're going to have to go back to the old sneaky ways of living life which inevitably puts them right back to where they started and you created an outlet for that person, a place for that person to go, uh, to, to grow personally. And take us through that and uh, what started to happen in 2014. Yeah. Or, sorry, 2004. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, just to, to answer your first question is, you know, to empathize or sympathize, it's just, to, just to understand what it's like. I, I think that, well, it, it is different for everyone, but, you know, there's been times where, I, where I've lost you know, I've had nothing. Where I've lost, lost it all. Uh, I think being raised, I, I don't think that you know my mother loved me. Uh, you know, I don't get into like these sob stories. But I mean, the fact is, I, I didn't think, and I still don't value myself. You know, above the level of trash. I, I think that when you know coming into this world and 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 you know where my mind is is that of of, of someone that that is doesn't have a lot of self-worth and you know with all the success you know or the suit that you put on or whatever it may be you can you can you can feel important and sound important but internally i still have this feeling that uh i'm still not worth what what um you know what maybe people perceive is is, is i think i'm worth so i think when you when you hit rock bottom and you don't lose that feeling and you you know you lose what's important um I think that if you don't let that go and you 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 don't use it as a crutch, but you you kind of morph that into some sort of fuel, I think you get to understand any any anyone who's struggling. So you know whether it's um you know coming out of prison or whether it's you know it's being homeless or it's just the fact that you don't feel that good because you don't have a lot to look forward to um, because that you know there's there's, there's not the opportunity that you you want to have. So I think that just having having experience in life that you know in the moment I, you know, I always remember thanking God even when it was it was bad. They're important to have uh, because they give you a perspective that you can share and help someone else with. So uh, it's extremely important to understand what it's like to lose and to not to have a lot because then you you, you know you one you don't know how to win uh, and and two you don't know how sweet that, that victory that victory tastes. Uh, yeah, and then you, you mentioned a question about hey you know someone comes out and and they're they're branded with this this you know title of of criminal which is you know you know someone who's, who's inadequate or not as good um they're devalued uh, that's a serious that's a serious issue you know it's it's an esteem issue as it, as it is as much as a um you know a social issue as it is a financial issue for this country uh 
you know, if you look at the demographics just broadly uh, in this country, you know, we, we have 650,000 people returning home each year from prison. And in prison, there's 2.3 million people. So 650 is, is, is a large percentage of that, but not, not everyone. Of those 650,000 people, on average, over 50% will return back in three years. It's, um, it's a cycle, right? It's a cycle. Um, in the state of Ohio, we, you know, we have a recidivism of you know, nearly 29%. Um, so it's a little lower than the nation average, but you know, in this county, it's a little bit lower than that, in fact. But the, the fact that you have to look at something and say, you know, a third of the time or over half the time, it's, it's not working, then, then what's wrong? And this is where, you know, kind of the approach to helping someone um, become successful, and success is, is subjective, uh, it comes into play. It's about providing a more convincing yes. You know, there's always going to be temptation. There's always going to be, um, you know, chasing women or men or whatever your, your choice is. There's always going to be, the, you know, drugs, alcohol, the, the fast life. Um, but it's really important to establish that someone has a desire and a dream in life and we have to lay a track down and make sure that they feel and know that they're on that track continuously so that when the temptation comes up, it's not a more convincing yes, that the track they're on is more powerful to go forward with. So I think it's not just the fact that there's not, you know, there is opportunity out here when someone comes out of prison. There is availability to certain, um, you know, you know, needs being met, but there's sometimes lacking is this, this track of someone's dream and, and a mentor to help them start that and then help them keep them on it, then let the wheels off and, 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 and you know, support it. Absolutely. And but on, yep. on that note of uh, being on a track and having a vision and a mission, um, let's talk about how that has helped you in what you did. Because in 2014, you started developing that business plan, but you started with a, a why you know, a purpose, a, a personal, a personal mission. What was that mission and how has that helped steer you to get to where you are today? Yeah. Well, it's simple. The story about, you know, being arrested and having, you know, having a huge break and then finding a mentor is, is part of the equation. The other, the other part of the equation is, uh, and actually the, the business plan I wrote in 2004. And this is, this is important to know for, for anyone who, who tries to do this because now you get calls from all over the country, you know, how do you do this? How do you do and I have to break it down for him, Barney style, but it's the mission all started. It started in my heart with this this break, and I didn't realize it. It was in, it was in me. I just didn't know how important it was until I started working at these great restaurants around the world, and realizing that the, the people that were friends back home were, were were either getting killed or in prison, and this 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 conviction that said to me, I have to give this break back to others who didn't have the chef that I had. So I had to build it. How do you build it? Well, I went back to school in 2004 to write a business plan. And I realized if I'm going to do something that's considered impossible, I have to know the extremities of every piece inside that part, uh, that machine. So it was about going back to New York and working on my dining room skills, getting my sommelier certification, you know, making sure I know how to bartend, as well as the kitchen is one thing. But And then how do you oversee a restaurant financially? And so, I mean, you're talking 2004, 2005, 2006, and, and things continue to, to grow. But always stay in the course of knowing that it can be done, and, and sacrificing to to do it, um, you know that's Brandon. You're just you, a shining yeah. example of what can happen when you live intentionally and you take every step in a direction for a purpose. And you can become such an effective, impactful person when you do that. And you, do, but you need that vision. You need that end goal. You need something to work towards. And that's what I love yeah. about your story. 
Yeah, well, thank you. Um, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think that you hit on a key point, living with a, a purpose. And I, I discovered that purpose early. As soon as I met Chef George, he taught me, I knew I had to be a chef. I knew my, 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 my job was to be a chef, and this is where I need to be. And, and that's 19 years old. Some people don't figure this out till later, which is you know not good, bad, or indifferent. You, you gain perspective as you grow. But I knew immediately this is what I want to do. I, I felt it. I tasted it. This is where I need to be. And then you know morphing into you know actually applying my true calling to what you know I thought I was supposed to you know do my whole life is uh, is kind of the switch. But there's a lot of lessons along the way. You know that, that someone has to, to you know to learn or to to. Um, you know, to look for, and I think the first one is you know Charlie Trotter's lesson to make it happen. You know, if, uh, you know I can remember being on the line seven thirty Friday night when you think you can't handle anymore. Here's Chef Trotter bring a guest chef in and said, Brandon, here's Eric, your guest chef. Can you set him up with the first course? Show him how you do your dish. And you're in a cramped kitchen seven thirty. The only thing you can say is yes, chef. So he blew he blew the lid off limits, and he he told me that you know life is limitless, and so you you can't one be confined to anything that that society, culture, family, friends, anyone puts on you or a box around you. You you got blows out, man. You got blows out. If I thought it was not possible, it would never happen. I just knew it was possible. It was just a matter of how to build it. You got to blow limits out. It's one, and then two. You just got to be just tenacious and 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 self-sacrificial to to achieve a goal that's that's bigger than you um, that goes for anything whether owning a restaurant whether it's you know having a food truck whether it's having you know a nonprofit with housing and you know prisons uh, you know you know reach and so on no matter what you do it's, it still requires those these, these elements yeah and uh real quick uh i mean this is such incredible stuff but y- your restaurant is a not-for-profit uh, not-for-profit um why did you choose that model because it was everlasting. You know, the broader goal of what I want to do is, yes, I wanted to serve those who um, who need it most with the career that, that that I've been blessed to have. The the broader goal, if that's not large enough, the broader goal is to um, change the civil rights in this country. Um, just, you know, pick up where Martin Luther King Jr. left off and, and really demonstrate to society uh, the only way I know how to do it is, is to, to, to be the best at the craft that, that you, you, you're you in. And if we can prove that to the world, then we're going to start to change the perception of someone coming out of prison because, you know, here's a lot of, you know, we're, we're run by those coming out of prison and we're running, you know, fine dining French restaurant. So it's hard not to have a great meal being served and, and cooked for by, by those you thought were, you know, less than human, right? That's most people's perception. And then, in fact, have you know this killer meal, and you 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 have to think afterwards, like, why was I thinking this way? Why would I think that someone? Why am I surprised that this is a great meal? I guess is the first question. I hope people ask themselves, why am I surprised? I shouldn't be. They're human. I'm human. There's humans in France. There's humans in New York. There's humans all over that can produce great meals. Why am I surprised? And, and you know, it's just society's. Uh, you know, pressures and and branding on what you know someone's supposed to look like when they come out of prison. They're not supposed to look like a, a fine dining French server or a great chef. They're supposed to look, you know, manipulative and bad, and that's not the case. So, you know, we can change these civil rights if we keep doing a great job and keep having people taste this power of this this you know what's going on here. And um, to do that and, and to change civil rights. 
and to, to accomplish the mission, it has to be everlasting because it's not going to be my lifetime that gets done it. It's going to be a couple lifetimes. I needed something I knew I could build that could be passed on to someone else who could finish this and continue the fight. So the first determination is how do you want to do something? Well, this is what I want to do in life. So then you can talk to the attorney. They'll, they'll figure out the legal way to do things. And, of course, it was a not-for-profit. Um, it also allows... Um, you know, we run a fishing business. You know, the school costs about eight hundred thousand dollars to run. We we pay students to go through this program. It's about eight hundred thousand a year for teaching, for stipends, for you know, you name it, bus passes, whatever someone needs. But um, the restaurant, you know, offsets about fifty to sixty percent of that, and the rest, you know, that's that's where you you want the community's investment in, and quite frankly, is needed if we want to change civil rights. People need to have skin in the game. So if they're not giving, if Joe the neighbor's not giving five dollars, he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't give a damn. He needs. He needs to put something. He needs to pony up. He needs to do something. We need to ask him. Um, so there's there's an intentional gap here. Even if it's fulfilled, I'm going to create another gap. Uh, so we have to ask our community. And I'm proud to say, don't take any state or federal money. I, I don't want to touch it. I just think this is something that, uh, as a community, we can we can overcome. I love it. I love your dedication to this. And that topic is just of your dedication and how this is a nonprofit. Uh, your chat with Chef Adam Lambeth at Chef Life Radio, good friend of mine, great podcast, great radio show if you guys haven't checked it out yet. But anyway, um, Chef Adam Lamb, you guys are talking, and he's he really put emphasis on how you prioritize the things in your life. And you went on to say that for you, your priorities are first business, the students, the community, and then your family and dive into that real quick and the mentality you have and why that's so important. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's only one of these restaurants in the world. There's no one else doing something like this. And, uh, to do the impossible, you not only need you know individuals to sacrifice themselves to, to you know to lead. You need a team of people to sacrifice their their you know their values, and 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 you need a, a, you know uh, an entire army of students who have the same self sacrifice. So when you start looking at what, what it takes to do the impossible, it takes self sacrifice, and there's no way that I could ask what I ask out of everyone, from student to staff, unless I'm doing it myself. And some, you know, I mean, I really got to push it in there. So, uh, yeah, you, you, you got to live and breathe this. There's no way around. There's no hustle. There's no. There's no way fake. You can fake this one. If you're not giving it your all, and if you're not putting your, you know, yourself last, um, so, something's gonna something's gonna slip. You know, if I'm not here, if I'm not here, you know, seven days a week, so, something could slip. Uh, someone's inevitably gonna have a problem. Um, you know, you know, that's how, that's how the story goes. And plus, all the the, the, you know, the back office work and so on, but. It's important, I think, not only to lead by example, but uh, in this space, it's so important to, to be sacrificial because, one, that's who we're serving, right? I mean, imagine if you didn't have 10 years of your life. I mean, what would you do if you had those 10 years? Wouldn't you live them hard? I mean, just wouldn't you just give it all to making something better? Um, there's a lot of people who, who aren't here because they're dead. So they don't even have a breath to take. So if you had one less breath to take, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you breathe it hard? Uh, if you start just looking at the other things, you just start to develop this mindset of saying, you know, I'm going to just give it my all to this because someone's not here able to do it for a number of reasons. I have the strength. I have, you know, the mental capacity. I'm gifted enough. So I just need to, I need to spend everything I can on, um, you know, what what I believe is right. Yeah, absolutely. And when I was listening to you talk with Chef Adam Lamb, um, 
I kind of had an aha moment when you just list, listed those priorities and I, I made a little voice note to myself and, and I said something like everybody should treat their restaurant like a nonprofit. And you've kind of even made that joke during your interview with him that every restaurant kind of is like a nonprofit <laughs> uh, to a certain degree, right? Cause we don't do this for the money. We do it for, for the right. If you, if you're doing it right, you're doing it for the other reasons aside from the money, because you want to help other people because you love spreading whatever your, your passion is to onto others. And that's the reason why we get into this industry, but you need to sacrifice from the very beginning and do exactly what you did, which is you listed out those priorities. So you knew what the commitment was going to be and you had it committed to like, I don't know if you had it committed to writing, but you knew internally that this is what it's going to take. And you committed to that before you committed to anything else in life, like a family, like a wife, like, and you said to them, you were trying, transparent like this is what it's going to take and but what will happen when you have that mentality in the beginning uh, and they say bob berg from the go-giver uses the analogy of uh feeding fire or wood onto a fire right to get that fire going you need to put pieces of wood on it you need to feed that fire you need to build it until eventually it becomes a really big like decent sized fire but over time that fire will grow as long as you get that your priority and it'll become a bonfire right and then it provides so much warmth for everybody that you can start providing opportunities other you can start slowly moving yourself out of that situation and then that's when you have time like you say for this business to live beyond me it doesn't need me here like it's a it's self-running like you but you got to make that 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 small fire you got to feed wood to it make it your 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 priority sacrifice everything until it becomes that raging forest fire and it doesn't need you anymore and that was like like a just like a light bulb like went off and this analogy just started flowing into my head um any reflects on that yeah i mean you could you can say so many different stories about something and how it grows. Uh, you know, what is it? A caterpillar to a butterfly. You can use, you know, a volcano. I mean, you can use so many different analogies. And but I mean, that's that's it. I mean, that's, that's the basis of it. Um, it's the, this was out in Memphis yesterday talking to um, the town and, and also this, this company about the, what what it takes and what what's doing. The first thing I'd say that I always tell everyone: this isn't this isn't for everyone. You know, it's not. I'm not asking everyone here to stop what they're doing and live their lives like this. This is, you know, this is a mission and this is a calling. However, think about what you know, really, what you know best, and how you could teach someone else those lessons. And imagine that 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 um, the the reciprocal effect it would have. Imagine those ripples that it would drive. So you know, somebody was talking to a bunch of welders, and what if you spend a day a month with with a kid who want, who thought they wanted to weld, then you start teaching why So, one, the, the very least, you, this person is going to know that someone else cares about them. Two, they might actually like it. Three, they might actually learn it. Four, they might actually have a career. But either way, you're touching someone that can actually you know, develop a ripple and the same as a bonfire or any other effect. But I mean, there's so much we can do in our lives that we start to we talk ourselves out of or... Um, you know, we get a little uncomfortable, so we, we back out. But I mean, we gotta learn to be comfortable in discomfort. We gotta learn to be able to stretch the ends. We gotta be able to push a little harder because we have air in our lungs and because we're here. And if you're not willing to do that, that's that's your choice, and that's not you know, anyone else's choice. Uh, but imagine if you did, and, and and what fire you could start. Absolutely. And while we've been talking, I've been just sitting down, making a list of it factors, things that I see, your habits, your traits, your characteristics that I I felt just from pulling out from this conversation and some of those are uh that sympathy just or empathy to care for others and know the situation other people are in and to be there 
for them. That's at the core of hospitality, really. And then no limits. Uh, that you know that I that mentality of just do it right, just get it done. Tenacity, intentional living, a sacrifice, and yeah. you have something that lives beyond you. That's that goes beyond yourself. Are there any other if factors, chef, that you think contribute to your success? Um, yeah, I would say it's it's also the level at which you do it. I think you you have to always strive for excellence. So you were you know. I'm here and the team's here and we're all we're all trying to help someone out who whose society is viewed as, as you know, half as half as as good. So it'd be twice as good to be level, right? So I just think that this standard of which you do something so everyone out there who's a chef is gonna cook a piece of chicken. Why don't you make it the best damn piece of chicken ever? And if not, why? Is it your effort? Is it your effort you're not doing it? Is it your desire? Is it your education? Is it your education? Find out how to cook the best piece of chicken. If it's your desire, well, it can't help you there. But it's looking at something and how to make it the best possible. And when you start to look at how things become the best or why they're the best, you start to understand extremes. And when you understand extremes, you understand you know how far something can bend and contort before it breaks. I think that the level at which you do something is very, very important because if you do it the highest, um, if you do it at another job a little lower, you know where you're taking a shortcut and why. You know, is it, is it you or is it, you know, the confines of the kitchen that you're in or, or whatever it may be? So I think the level at which you do something, you have to strive for that, that perfection, knowing that you'll never achieve it, but you just have to, you know, keep swinging for it. Uh, that's one. And the, and the other understanding that, you know, hard work doesn't have a language. You know, in France, I, I started in a small town. I was illiterate. I couldn't read, write, or speak. And I worked my way to the best restaurant in Paris. And it was through hard work, and it wasn't through my French. And you see that in, in restaurants where you have someone who may be an immigrant and, and, and or, or not, you know, not even an immigrant, a national citizen that just doesn't speak the language, but they're hard workers. And if you teach them, they can move up. So I think that you just have to understand that people have potential. And if you manage their them as how they are today, you are severely undercutting what you and your business can do. Because if you start managing their potential, you're talking about an X factor that, that's that you could say might produce you more food or might produce a better product or might produce a better community. So when you look at someone, understand that hard work is, doesn't have a language. And understand that, that person is bigger than who they are. Um, but if you don't know how to get into that level, if you've never seen the level, you know, if you've never cooked that perfect piece of chicken, you can, you can never get them out of their, their current state and, and fulfilling their potential. So there's a whole web of things here that there are, there are these it factors. Uh, but I just I think the approach is, is if, if I had to summarize it, it's like you know shooting to the top and understanding that people can people can give more. Yeah, absolutely, amazing stuff, Chef. Really. And um, before we take a break, I just need to get a failure from you. Um, tell me about a time where you fell short of a goal or you fell hard on your ass, and uh, tell me how you picked yourself up and. The, just bring me through that moment. I want to feel like I'm standing right there with you. That's great. I don't know, man. Every day, <laughs> every every day, my ass hurts. I, I don't know. I can't. I can't think of one decisive moment. But uh, well, take us through. Um, how did you get in trouble with the law at a young age? Tell me about that. Like, yeah, it's, it's just careless energy. You know, a lot of it, and then with the wrong group of people and getting into trouble, but. You know, I've never looked at that as a failure. I look at it as a, 
is a poor choice that mm-hmm. uh, changed my life. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know that I could ever look at. So, I, first of all, if I looked at something as a failure, I think I wouldn't be here because I would, I failed so many times. If I look at everything as like this growth moment, and that's the way I do it. Uh, and, I, and I don't think that it's a failure. I think this is, you know, this is this is a path, and I, I had to have taken it. And then now I'm stronger because of it. And now my perspective is broadened. And now I've got a perspective of what it's like to be behind bars. Now I have a perspective to, you know, to know what it's like to. So it's really tough to categorize something as a failure. I mean, it's not it's not going to produce success. I can tell you though that anytime something has been, you know, of that nature, where it's like, hey, this is not what I thought it would be. It's just it, it's working your way out of it. And, and tearing apart every little detail until we until we get it right, uh, I, you know, a common you know challenge I'm having right now is is so I believe that we can make prisons as good as colleges, but it's got to be driven by the inmates because we can't depend on the government to make these these you know this happen. So I teach in one prison. There's only one of me, and I've got a team who, who I really can't have teach in other prisons because we're busy here, right? So how do you expand a vision inside? So it's 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 about you know teaching inmates in a, in a concept, an idea, then have them lead that to a class of other inmates, so the work can spread. So we started this in two prisons. I got two more adding on this week, and every you know two weeks I add another two. But it's just trying to get down to the, the basis of why this why this can, why this won't why it should work mm-hmm. so you know it's okay so you, you know this there's a lot of control in a restaurant you control how many um the restaurants are 100 percent controlled i mean from the money you make it's driven off the menu that you produce mm-hmm. that you cost out the number of people that you receive is driven by you who makes reservations mm-hmm. right and the kitchen's designed around a menu that you think about all the things we control in a restaurant it's 100% controlled mm-hmm. so I look at this approach and how we get these you know how we expand this program let's find two people who can who have an aptitude and a desire and let's choose them as captains and let's work through the problems it's going to take them to grow let's outline expectations that, that we're going to teach something that's not going to put a tool in your hand but it's going to put definitions and, and, and thoughts in your head and it's just it's narrowed it down and, and you know the other week, how are things going to the, you know to the chef? I have a chef that's leading that with another you know, young lady, and they said, well, one, you know, one of the people you know have, have left the class. They got they got put in the hole, and it's like, well, why don't we know this right at that minute and make adjustments? Why don't we have a backup plan? Well, because 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 there's no because. It's, you know, the only question should be or the only answer should be is this is this is what we're going to do next. And this is how we're going to do it. It's it's just continually tearing something apart to the final detail, so that you know you think about the moment that a prison, uh, you know, you know, someone steps into prison, that you're controlling everything that in in your power that can afford them an opportunity to learn from the correction officer that you're working with, who outlines a class, to those who are leading it, to the books that they read and the time that they have. Uh, it's just this obsession for for a detail that that you know you can nail, but it just takes hard work. So I, you know, I, I look at these challenges as opportunities, and and just love dissecting them and trying to build this impossible, knowing that there's no limits, knowing that hard work can solve the problem. Awesome stuff, Chef. Really yeah. great. Thank you for bringing me through that. Uh, really thought out. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and to thank our sponsors, we'll be right back for you just to drop some bombs of knowledge on us. 
To run a successful restaurant, you need to know when to hire, when to change the menu, and when to prepare for growth. But how do you know what decisions to make and when to make them? You need LivePlan, an affordable, all-in-one business dashboard that helps you understand your financials and tracks your progress. LivePlan can display your actual financial numbers on a single dashboard, giving you an excellent view of the health of your business. With LivePlan, you'll know exactly what actions you need to take to fuel your growth, stay cash positive, and thrive. To learn more and to get started with your first month free, yes, free, that's a $20 savings exclusive to Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, visit liveplan.com slash unstoppable. That's liveplan.com forward slash unstoppable. What are you waiting for? So we're back. And the first question I have for you, Chef, is what is your advice for getting that initial capital and funding to get started in a business, specifically a restaurant? Invest in yourself. And no one's going to invest in you until you invest in yourself. I, I, I tell everyone there's five steps to building something like this. The first is write a business plan. You may never look at the damn thing again, but write the plan. And there's a power in that because it takes up space in the world, and that becomes vulnerable. When something becomes vulnerable, it becomes real. Uh, once you have a plan, uh, take that same idea of creating space in, in the legal world and incorporate it. Okay? Whether it's a not-for-profit, for-profit, you got to set it up. Uh, you know, three is making sure you have a team to execute the plan. Four is, is is polishing it, branding it, if you would, and then five is selling it. That th- those are the steps in making it happen. But it never starts unless you make self-investment. And I can tell you that no one wanted to believe in this project, so I had to, I had to you know develop this plan and, and work it over until no one could say no to it and then develop an entity that no one could say no to and develop a team that no one could say no to. I mean, so you, what you're doing, you're taking away the no's because it's so hard to say yes today. Absolutely. And yep. uh, I mean, the best thing just from studying all these successful people, the, the trend I've seen uh, when you say invest in yourself and the best thing you can do to invest in yourself is to live intentionally and do everything every day to be a better version of yourself than you were the day before before surrounding yourself with those people that will mentor you and steer you and guide you in the right direction, uh, which is just incredible advice. And uh, that advice for the business plan um, just so happens to sponsor liveplan.com. And you had alluded to this in the previous places I've I've read about your story that you get started, you don't know the first thing about a business plan. Uh, And the live plan is created for that person. It's a system for creating, it's a process for creating that business plan. They'll, They'll walk you through the process and uh, it's I like like Chef says it's so incredible it's so important I have a hair in my mouth hold on a second no problem uh, there good but yeah just just get that that business plan written and the live plan can help so the second question I have for you Chef is success is so dependent on people in this industry so what's your advice for hiring managing and just retaining people and this is a weird one for you because it's a little you know your your business model is a little non traditional but go for it. Yeah, um, I, you know that's, that's a really good question. To me, it's you self-investment first. And, you know, knowing limits, knowing limits. Don't don't you know? Everyone can cook. I get it, but don't be a chef. At, you know, in the early twenties, you're not ready. Uh, you know, make sure you invest in yourself. That you know extremes, and you've worked at the top. So when someone comes in, they can never tell you otherwise, right? Because you've seen it. Uh, that's a work ethic thing. That's that's an approach. It's a philosophical thing. Uh, if you if you've done that self investment, my my 
my recommendation of how to hire is hire those who who, who are coming up. They, they have the grit. They have determination. They're midway up their hill of fulfilling their potential, and those are the ones that I want. I want someone who's not only hungry but sees a, sees a longer goal and, and realizing where they're at, but also you have to tell them where they can go, and you're going to say, I'm going to get you there. And you might have to leave me one day, and that's okay, but that's what you want to tap into because there's a certain energy that comes with that that mid-swing, you know, that velocity of of almost up the hill, right? Like a golf swing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to start. It's really hard when you first start to stroke, and then midway through it, that's where you want to get your person. Not after the delivery, not before. You want to get them up and over that hill, and I think that that's the energy I try to hire and also the energy that is um, in someone's heart that, you know, that, that, that understands humans. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Great stuff. So uh, what's your advice on work-life balance? Uh, and this is a – I'm curious because, again, like you're such a unique beast because of your priorities. Like you're very yeah. transparent about what comes first. So how do sure. you I mean, make time? I, I, I first of all, I have to say, I have to, uh, you know, dissect your question and say what, what is work and what is life and then also what, what does balance mean? So, you know, in society, someone might say, well, you should work nine to five. Who, who, who's putting that on you that that's something that society has thrown into your, your life that says this is what it should be it's not what it is it's what it should be so who's society to say that what if that's not the world I live in the world I live in this is it work is life life is work um, and uh, work sounds like hard and life sounds free but I, I don't think that none of those apply to what I'm trying to do so you know without getting too ex- you know existential I think that you have to identify what you believe it should be, um, and what what your idea of balance is. You know, my idea of balance is like always, almost falling off the edge, but but never never you know slipping. Um, and I believe that this is a mission and a calling. So there's 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 no separating work and life because it's the only way to get something done. So it's not fit for everyone, and not something I recommend doing cold turkey. But you know, over years and years of you know the self sacrifice of this is, I feel extremely comfortable and happy with with where I'm at and what I do. Awesome, perfect. Yeah. So, what's one book that you think is a must read uh, for anybody getting into this industry? Uh, a must read. There's a book. It's called. Um, it's called Fearless Speech. It's not even a book. It's a. Uh, it's it's a. It was a speech that was given by a philosopher named Michel Foucault, and it's it's not nothing about food. It's nothing about food. It's, it's, it can be complex at times, but at the end of the day, it, it talks about the importance of of, of of origins and how things were built. So, how do you build a hospital? Right? How did a hospital evolve? Well, someone was sick and they were put in a room, right? So, well, where's the room at? And, and then, okay, there's a room. So what's in the room? Okay, what's important? The medicine that's locked up. It basically, from the inside out, builds something from from a way of thinking. And I think that it's essential in this business to, to continue to think like that. Yeah, so whether you're, you're running a station, running a business, is, is, is why is something like this, you know, and, and, and how does it get here so that it can only help you evolve to become the most efficient or... or um, you know, the most precise, uh, you know, chef that, that you'd like to be. 
or, or dining room manager for that matter. Yeah. But you have, to, you have to start looking at things from the inside out. And I think it's a, it's a it's an approach and a philosophy more than it is like a you know like a, a lesson. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're talking if you're talking cooking, like if you need to read a book to, to learn how to cook, I mean, the only one that I have on the shelf all the time is Escoffier um, and Le Repertoire, and and you know, the you know, one book that covers fundamentals like the, the Pro Chef, right? If it's not technique or a skill, you're going to learn that in the, in the kitchen. It's just how you learn it and your approach to learning it. I think is important. That's why this book is is off the wall. But you'll start to dissect things differently, and that's that's everything to your final product. Awesome. Um, where can I find that that first book or that oh, you said it wasn't? Fearle- a- yeah, fearless, fearless speech. It was a speech given by Michelle Foucault in Berkeley. Um, Google man, I mean Amazon. I, I don't even know where you'd find the thing, but. Uh, all right, I'll try to find it. Yeah. We'll link to it in the show notes. This is episode two forty. Uh, I forget. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, this is episode two forty three. So let's head over to restaurantstoppable dot com slash two forty three. You'll find the links right there. And just listening to you talk about uh, fearless speech and uh, like starting, I couldn't help but think of uh, the seven habits of highly effective people. And one of those habits is starting with the end in mind. Um, working from where you want to go, having that vision like you've done, like we've already talked about, your mission, your vision, and working backwards from there, and then figuring out everything you need to get there. Um, that's a real powerful stuff that, that really they, they talk about that. And also uh, and Seth Godin talks about that as well in Purple Cow. With When you're starting a business, uh, look at the industry you want to get into. What What's the need? What, do people, what are they looking for? What's the want? Then create that and work backwards from there. And I couldn't, those, those two pieces of work were really uh, echoing to me. Listen to you talk to that. Yeah. Um, cool. The next question I have is on the topic of technology and systems and processes, really what technology is, it's a system or process that's plugged into your restaurant to make you more efficient, uh, more profitable, more productive. So are there any technologies that you've recently implemented or older technologies that you just love and want to share with us that you're using? No, man. I mean, keep it primitive. Keep it primitive. Get rid of the computers. I mean, the, only, the computers to do finances and, and accounting are, are essential. I agree. Computers like, you know, the point of sale systems are essential to make sure you're running at a, at a correct bottom line. But there's nothing else that's going to help you run a business that, that it's human based with a computer. So, I mean, you can you can make sure you're measuring numbers, you're, you're bottom line, you're making sure you're running where you should and profitability. You can make sure that when um, you, you send an email to another colleague, you know they have the same software. I mean, there's things like that, but there is nothing else I would do aside from that in terms of technology. I mean, it's just not it's not the way to go. I, I kind of detechnologize, uh, you know, no, if there's that a word. I definitely agree with you in, in the, the yeah. sense that sometimes people uh, they want to operate more efficiently, more effectively, and they replace that human touch with technology. And I would totally disagree that you know you should not do that. Um, and I mean. This this is a high touch high high people industry, and we can the, what makes this industry special is the thing that we can never replace, and that's that human touch. Uh, but I would say I yeah. not, to, not to disagree, but that there are some sure. technologies that allow you to uh, have more attention to detail that than you ne- you ever would have been able to do without these tools to really store information and just keep track sure. of things. Uh, so there is technology that will allow you to to have more impact then go for it but if it like like chef said if it if it takes away from that human interaction stay the hell away from it because it's not worth it absolutely yeah um 
So, okay, the next question. With all the knowledge you've gained over these years of starting Edwin's and doing what you've done, if you could go back in time, Chef, to uh, a, a previous version of yourself, maybe 2004 when you got started with your own business and give yourself one piece of business advice, what would it be? I don't know. I don't know, Eric. That's tough. That's tough. I just know that it wouldn't have get. It wouldn't have been built this way if I didn't. If I had to go through the things I had to go through. Uh, you know, looking back at it, I think you could you could say that. You know, I summarized like the five ways to build something. I think that if you knowing now that there was kind of this 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 list, right? This like you know, if you do these five things in a certain order, I think that could have made some things efficient, more efficient. But, you know, that's how the, that's how the, you know, the cookie crumbled and it was great. You know, it's still a delicious cookie. But having, having like a list of saying like, these are the five, you know, these are the five. If you knock out these things, I've seen it help people so much who are, who are struggling with how to do it and what to do it. But no matter what was thrown at you, no matter what could have or would have should have been changed, it didn't matter because hard work and, and you know this this tenacity would would solve it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if that once that's in place, it's like you throw a brick wall, I'm gonna figure out a way to get over, get above it. Now, would I rather had a power drill? Yes, <laughs> to get through the brick wall. Correct. That, that would have been some good advice. So I think in, in that sense, just making something a little bit more efficient would have been having these these steps and kind of like, hey, this is this is a way to do it. You know, it's gonna be your way on each of these steps. But if you follow this this sequence and these these you know, buckets. I think it would have been easier to, I think, grab, but not necessarily would have would have made things easier to um to build. Awesome stuff. So, if there yeah. was one question, Chef, I could have asked you that would have brought more value to this interview. What would it have been? Um, I would say you know the the, the influence and the um the power of a community, and you know the power of heroes. You know, the one surprise, you know, there's a surprise that everyone's like, well, it's a big surprise. Everyone wants to know the one, the one thing, the one thing. It's not, it's not just one thing. It's a, there's a whole bucket of them. But the one thing that surprised me this whole, this whole journey that it's going to continue is the, um, you know, there's still heroes out there, you know, to see, um, you know, a seven-year-old give, you know, give you, you know, $6 of her whole allowance, you know, in, in a Ziploc bag and you, you deposit it at the bank, uh, you say that that person was giving outside that what what they think their means to see someone you know give wedding gifts and um, you know when a local chef got married he said I don't want gifts just write checks to Edwin when you when you see sort of like heroics like that that's always surprising and encouraging so you know just you know asking about the um, the community and and, and their involvement um, there was a, um, a local uh, grade school it's uh, fifth and sixth graders at Onaway School here and they had um, as, as fifth and sixth graders, they got together eighty nonprofits that that their whole plate. They do this this thing where they make plates and they sell the plates, and all the money goes to a non for profit. And they selected eighty, and they narrowed down to three, and they chose one, and we were the one. And you're talking about fifth, fifth and sixth graders it was to to be able to swallow a concept of reincarceration, you know, coming out of, out of prison and incarceration and being reintroduced is big I mean we beat out puppies and kittens and, you know these, the APL or whatever it's like that's that's powerful and that's a surprise to see that a community is there to cheer and to, to, to pray and to hope for you um, 
that's good. So, I mean, community involvement was a question that you, know, you wouldn't ask, but uh, probably wouldn't even know to ask or think to ask, but that's been a huge um, reason why we're here today. And, and, and the civil rights mission is growing because the, the community's investment. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. Great stuff. Chef, we wrap up every episode by calling somebody out. Who was one independent restaurant operator? Uh, somebody you admire in this industry and just believe would be a great guest mentor on the show like you were for us today. Oh, great one. I think David Waltuck will be your, your big guy. He'll be a guy. David and Karen. Name. David and Karen Waltuck. David and uh, Karen Waltuck? Yeah. All right. Look David out. Karen coming after you. Yeah, get him. I mean, these guys, <laughs> these guys opened up Chanterelle at you know twenty some years old and ran to you know four stars from the New York Times by Ruth Reichel. Uh, you know, closed it at a time when the economy wasn't good. You know, he's he's been through ups, he's been through downs. He's he's got a solid touch. He doesn't he doesn't buck from what's right. Uh, I think he'd be a guy. It'd be excellent, excellent show for you. That'd be awesome. I can't wait to get him on the show. Hopefully, he will accept the invitation and let the folks at home know how can we connect with you if um, they want to figure out how they can uh, contribute to the work you're doing. Uh, maybe they wanted to start something similar out where they are living, or maybe sure. I, I know when I was listening to Adam Lamb uh, talking, like you, you like to uh, send your people out for other opportunities in other parts of the world to get that experience. So uh, let us know yep. how to connect if that's something. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, I mean, edwinsrestaurant.org. Um, that's the website. Um, my email is brandon at edwinsrestaurant.org. Uh, it's simple, but I mean, there's, I mean, the, the low hanging fruit is, is just what you said, Eric. You can offer your restaurant for an apprenticeship. Um, you know, you, you never know who wants to come down to, you know, Nebraska and and and, and, and learn a cuisine out there. Uh, that's one, two. You know, the Facebook, Twitter, social media thing is always always easy. Uh, donating you can do online. Uh, volunteering you can always come here and do that uh, so there's so many different ways to do it all right beautiful i'll have those links in the show notes again this is a uh, restaurant unstoppable dot com slash 243 i'll have the links right there and uh chef brandon thank you so much for taking the time to join us today to share your story to share your mission and i know that after listening to you and what you're doing we're all going to try to just be a little better version of ourselves tomorrow than we were today thank you so much there's no questioning you're unstoppable thank you Eric. appreciate it man cheers there's another episode wrapped up here at restaurant unstoppable i hope you guys enjoyed it so a couple of things before i let you go I'm now offering free one-on-one 15-minute chats. If you want to get inspired, if you need to get just a little motivation, or if you have some questions about some of the things we talked about on the show, you can now chat with me for free 15 minutes. Head over to Restaurant Unstoppable to find the links. Don't forget that we have a complete list of all the books and resources our past guests have recommended. These are the books they read, the resources and tools they're using in their restaurant, the tools that are helping them be successful a whole list archived right there at restaurantunstoppable.com don't forget to use my links if you really want to give back to the show if you want to show your appreciation for all these episodes i'm putting out the best way to support the show is to simply use my links when you discover something new that can help you in your restaurant thank you in advance also, keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. And I can't finish without reminding you to keep those emails coming. I love your emails. They fire me up. They keep me going. Tell me who you want to hear from. Tell me what you love about the show. Tell me 
anything, I'm here for you. Just shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. All right, that's all we have for today. I hope you're enjoying this journey as much as I am. Thanks again for joining me. Until next time, peace out.